Hello and welcome back to the Latecomers. I'm Anthony. I'm Lemuel. And I, I did that out of nowhere and you weren't expecting it. Yes. Because we're doing thrills, more thrills. The our, punch you don't see coming that knocks you out. Our own thrills. Yes. We are, for want of a better idea, but also just because it was two years of like, why, why this and not that? Why exactly. this and not that? We are going to and not that this one. Uh, we're going to do 50... We're going to do 50 movies that we think are great, thrilling movies. Right. We're being reactionary. The list that we got from AFI... Was fine. Was fine. <laughs> um, it was questionable, though, because all through the list, we're looking at each other saying... Why this? Wait, how did this make it onto the list when this other film yeah. didn't? And we're going to... Also expand, so we're not looking at just American films and just English language films, because mm-hmm. boring. Uh, and we are, the first half of our, we're going to do 50, because mm-hmm. we need to fill time. No, no. <laughs> because because we started brainstorming and we got to 50. Uh, so the, we're going to talk about the first half today. We're going to talk about the uh, 1 through 25, which will encompass the time that the AFI film list covered which was up to 2000 i think the the um, yeah. the most recent film on the afi list that we just did was from 1999 so we're going to watch movies from 1932 is the first one mm-hmm. uh, through 1997 is the last one in that first chunk we're going to talk about what we're doing uh and then when we get through those then we will do uh, an intro to the second half of the list, which are, is going to cover the 2000s and after. Till now, the first 24 or the last 24 years. Let's start with the thing that they didn't do. Which Let's is, define our terms, you guys. We, we Googled. <laughs> we started with, let's get a basic definition, right? The definition of thrilling is causing excitement and pleasure exhilarating i think the and pleasure is key Mm -hmm. i think if i have to force myself to watch like malcolm mcdowell in clockwork orange that's not thrilling to me why is michael haneke i'm not on this list because i don't wanna i I want to point out to everyone listening that this is a very carefully curated list we've been going over this for days it is but also it is not what we are saying. Like, we are not the right. AFI. We are not saying these are the best movies in the genre. We are saying these are great movies in the genre that we particularly either also like that, or, like, most of them come right. from him. Most of them come from Lemuel. I haven't seen a lot of these. AFI overlooked <laughs> a lot of films in constructing their list. And as you look at the list that we're going to go through, there are actors and there are... Don't do it. <laughs> do it the first time or then I get mad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Genre. That, are, that were overlooked. And we want to cover that. Um, and we, so we've been spending days now Going putting back and this forth together. And, yeah. So it's like, for instance, when we go for the idea of pleasure, right? Yeah. There are films... Like, for instance, uh, I was going, you know, there isn't a single Charles Bronson movie in here. Nope. And I thought, but a lot of his, the, the most famous of his films, Death Wish, things yeah. like that, are not really pleasurable. But They're about people pushed into circumstances and they reacted by just 
killing people. There are no revenge thrillers in right. here, which is definitely a genre. Yes. Um, and they can be thrilling, and some of those films are thrilling, but in terms of bringing you some sort of experience of pleasure, because Witchfinder General is a thrilling film, yeah. but it's so Bleak. amazingly unpleasant. And yeah. there's some that border that. Yeah. And, here. and we don't have... Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which which we'll get to, we we do have, we, just by dint of who we are as people, lean towards um, horror, mm-hmm. uh, but not, we're not relying on that. Yeah. And it's not even mostly horror, but there are horror films in here. But not like, we, we ran this list past our roommate, mm-hmm. and she wanted, she was saying things like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I was right. like, I don't want to watch that. Like, I just don't, I don't, mm. that seems deeply unpleasant to me. Uh, I had to watch Clockwork Orange because AFI made me. It was less upsetting than I thought it was going to be, but it was very upsetting. There are movies, what's that movie that has like a six or six to 12 minute rape scene at the very beginning? Oh, I don't remember that. I know the, for the reason that I don't want to see a six to eight That's minute rape scene. That's the thing, I yeah. don't. I don't want to watch it, and I don't want to ask you guys to watch it. Like, I that doesn't right. feel good to me. I didn't want to do, like, um, this is a John Carpenter, uh, Last House on the Left. No, it was Wes Craven. Wes Craven. Yeah. Yes, right, Wes Craven. So, so and any kind of revenge of a mom or dad against the killer and rapist of their child. Yeah. like. Those are thrilling movies. And the two films I just mentioned, as good as they are, are really, they're, they're just sort of do these gut-churning kind of moments where you're watching someone suffer intensely yeah. so that you're on the side of the guy when he snaps and goes off to yeah. go on his mission of vengeance. Yeah. And that doesn't, it's not pleasurable to, to watch that for yeah. me. It's like, I don't need to be stirred up. And again, there'll be movies that have elements of that, but yeah. it's handled much more tastefully in the films that we're we're. Hopefully, yeah. Yes. Um, so, so that's what we're coming at it from. Mm-hmm. We're talking about excitement and pleasure, um, and something that maybe has a little bit makes you a little apprehensive. Not because you are um, recoiling right. out of like a disgust or something like that. Which disgust is a whole thing that we could talk about separately. But but where you're like keyed up because you want to know what's happening, what's mm-hmm. going to happen next, right? So that's what we're looking at. We also pulled James Patterson, who writes three quarters of the books that are being released these days. Or the ones least, that aren't being published by, uh, that aren't being released by Stephen King. Um, at least he puts his name, Stephen King yeah. doesn't, but just put his name on right, everybody's exactly. name. Patterson, like, sort of, he's like Trump. He's like, here's, I'll, I'll, I'll lease you my mm. name and you can sell more books, whatever. But he has a list of the types of thrillers. Legal, spy, action-adventure, medical, police, romantic, historical, political, religious, high-tech, and military. We covered most of these. I uh-huh. would argue something like a historical thriller could really be and any of the other ones. Yes. It just has to be a period piece, right? Like, um, Or our first movie, it was made in 1932. I would argue a historical <laughs> thriller. <laughs> so it's really how you define things, but... So that's what we're coming at it with. We're, we're, like, I'm still baffled by the placement of the portrait of Dorian Gray right. on the AFI list. Like, what? And I and and we're, we'll talk about some of the movies on this list. 
how did it not go on there? And yeah. my thought is because they started with a list of Alfred Hitchcock movies and had to fit stuff around it. Like, I understand that Alfred Hitchcock is mm-hmm. a master of the genre, but if you just want to make a top 10 Alfred Hitchcock movies, do that. It seems like, like there were favorites here. Oh, 100%. In the AFI list, there was Alfred Hitchcock, there was Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Um, and somebody who should, well, it depends. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan also had a couple of movies mm-hmm. on this list, and he deserves to be here. Yeah. Um, now, what we're covering, too, is that some of the best thrillers ever made were made in France. That's the other thing. Right. Yes, we've got Asian films on mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Um, Indonesian, Thai, Japanese, Chinese. I think all of those are covered. Korean. Mm-hmm. I think. I yeah. think all of those um, countries are covered in our list. Uh, there's a Spanish film, uh-huh. from, a, a Spain, a from Spain Spanish film. Uh, is there France on here? Oh, yeah. What's Both uh, The Wages of Fear. Oh, that's right. You said it was a French movie. Okay. And A Purple Noon. Okay, that's right. So, yeah. So, we've got... AFI is the American Film Institute. We mm-hmm. are not so narrow we're in our vision. We're restricted. <laughs> yes, because we're worldly. That's what it is. Suck it, AFI. <laughs> so, that we're coming at, at, from a broader scope in in global cinema and a narrower scope of what we are looking for in these films. Right. And we try to pick things that were exemplars mm-hmm. or the kickoff of certain genres, which we will talk about when we get to them. So let's go through. We're going to go through the list. I'm going to put them up on the site. Right. Now we're going through 1 through 25. We're right? going 1 through 25, okay. which is from 1932 to 1997. Um, we're going to be watching them because cr- we didn't want to rank them. That mm-hmm. seemed yeah. too daunting. And also, we're already saying these are films that we enjoy. Like, it's more of a favorites than a best because right. those are different things. And to put them in order, if we're talking about preference, we're going to fight. It's going to be a mess. We're not doing it. We're going to do it chronologically. We're going to do it within chronology alphabetically. We're just going to do... Right, and I don't think that it's not necessary to rank them from best to worst, because as we noticed with the the list, the AFI list, there were things where we thought the place that this occupied on the list was way too high or Or way way too low. low. Yeah. And so rather than trying to make up a list of of what we think is the very best film and us arguing about it, no, you're right. We should just keep it chronological yeah. here. We have all the, the tools to do that. Yeah. So chronological and then alphabetical within if it's the same year. Because mm-hmm. we're not trying to fight. We're not, And we're not trying to like say, hey, this is the best and you better like it as much as we, we do. Or we're else. Just gonna, we're just going <laughs> to... Or else. Yeah, we're coming after you. We're just going to give you our ideas of here's things that could have been or maybe should have been included right. on the list. And things that if you like thrillers, these are sort of don't miss thrillers. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're at. We're going to start next week with our first episode in a while. Well, our second episode in a while. This is coming out first. With 1932's The Most Dangerous Game. I will tell you, we've already watched it, and this thing clocks in at a cool 63 minutes. Yes. So y'all should check it out. Where was it? Where did we watch it? We're... It was on freebie on Amazon. Right. It was, a, it was free. And it just... Moves. Well, yeah, because it's an hour. It doesn't have a choice. 
We have a lot of story to tell. We only have an hour to tell it. Yeah, it is a black and white sound fu- film. I understand that I sound ignorant saying that, but when I see a movie from 1932, I expect it to be like, and not have any sound because I don't know things. Just the noise of the projector. That's right. Right. And maybe some ding, 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 ding. And then, yeah, no, it's not a silent film. So, just sharing that with you. But it isn't like mine. Um, so, that's the only movie we have on here from 19, the 1930s. Then we skip to the 1940s and we go all the way to the end. 1949, with a film called The Setup, which I can tell you is in black and white, and then I can't tell you anything else. What is, tell us about it a little it bit. It is a film about a boxer who's been paid to throw a match. Okay. And it takes place in real time. Oh, we love a real-time. That was the thing. I wanted to get another real-time film on there. Um, High Noon is close, right? Uh, And the only one I could think of was that 83 Minutes movie or whatever with Al Pacino and like Johnny Depp. I was like, "Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm." (laughs) mm-mm-mm. Just because it is in real-time doesn't mean it needs to be It has a real wonderful feel for what boxing used to be like when there was just a bunch of guys trying to get to the four or five title belts that there were. Yeah. And he is asked to throw a game, so you're right gotcha. up until the moment he gets into the ring. And we should say the most dangerous game. It's what you think it is. Right. It is that that phrase comes from this movie, and I presume a book from that was based story. on it, mm-hmm. which is uh, the most dangerous game is man, y'all. It's man. <laughs> it's we'll not get to a it. game as in Parcheesi. It's <laughs> a game as in <laughs> as big a thing game you hunt. Hunting. Yes. Uh, next up, we're going to go right to the 50s. There are six movies uh, from the 1950s that we're going to talk to talk about. The first one is a movie I've been wanting to see for a decade, I think, maybe mm-hmm. more. <clears throat> the Wages of Fear from 1953. You said it was a French film. It yes. is in black and white, and it is a movie about driving a truck full of nitroglycerin on, like, an ice road. It's not an ice road, but it's, like, one of those most dangerous roads in the world. It I'm is so stressed watching very... this movie. Yeah, it's it's a really harsh movie about really harsh people and what they do to survive. It's also in f- possibly four or five languages. Oh, nice! Because it's you know it takes it's place one of in those South European... America, right? So there's people speaking French to people speaking German to people speaking English to people speaking Spanish to people speaking that... Italian. Yeah, got it. And so it's like, it's just about these people who and a lot of this happened after the Second World War. Okay, there were people just set adrift. Yeah. Trying to get home, trying to get money to get their ticket, and right. this is the only job they can find. Oh, right, because that makes sense. The early 50s, because the next movie we're going to do, right. 1955's Bad Day at Black Rock, which is also a post-World War II movie. Right. With Spencer Tracy. It's a modern Western, and it's about racism. He's looking for Kamoko. And then, next up, 1956's The Killing. Is this Stanley Kubrick's first movie? No, no, it's... Very he made early so many on, movies. Uh, so this is a film about a heist. It's a heist film. Y'all know I love watching a plan come together. We have both seen this movie. I have seen this movie. I think this movie is super fun. I will tell you, cell phones would really render <laughs> this whole movie moot. But we'll get there when we get there. Um, next up is Night of the Demon from 1957. Tell me about it. It's based on the story by my. Um, one of my favorite authors and mentors, uh, uh, Casting the Runes, and it's about a uh, very Who's skeptic- the mentor and the author? I know that's not the name. M.R. James. There you go. <laughs> and it's, uh, he is, uh, it's about a man who is asked to uh, give a lecture 
on uh, a man who's uh, another person who's just left a, a, dim, a devil worshiping cult. Okay. And he follows a file of the sorcerer that oh, geez. runs his court. We're talking about an occult thriller. Y'all. Right. It's occult a very thriller. weird occult thriller, and it's fun because it just it's done by Jacques Turner, who for, who cut his teeth, so to speak, under um, Val Luton. Okay. And so he knows how to. He just keeps ratcheting was this. Was there any Val Luton on the AFI list? No, there was not. Mm. Val Luton movies are super slow burns, though. Right. Okay. That's so, one of the reasons why I didn't include them here, but I felt this was a good idea. This represents it, because yeah. this everything that, um, and we'll see two of those, uh, because we're also doing the haunting. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we want to be pretty, because we're going to talk about each of these movies for over an hour. I promise. So, next up, uh, you said cut his teeth on. Ha ha. Next up, Horror of Dracula from 1958. Excuse me, I did say horror. Of Dracula, <laughs> that is the first Christopher Lee Hammer film, right? Where well, Christopher Lee is, I'm sorry, Christopher Lee, <laughs> the first yeah. Christopher Lee as Dracula right. Hammer film. There we go. Him and Peter Cushing, and it's it's just a it's as fast as the Dracula that we watched for the AFI list. Yes, but sort of slower, right? Yes, it's, sexy, sexier, sexier <laughs> right. vampire. N- not that Bella Lugosi isn't. Nah, no, I said what I said. <laughs> um... Next up, we're going to Japan, y'all, and we're going to watch The Hidden Fortress, and it is better than Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Same? Kind of. Better? Yes. (laughs) Uh, That is, of course, a Kurosawa film from 1959, and that brings us to the end of the 50s. First up, you just mentioned it, 1960s The Haunting. I do not understand how this movie was not on the AFI list. At all. Some of these other ones I get, especially because some of them are, um, you know, outside of the U.S. or they only wanted to do two Cooper movies mm-hmm. instead of five, and so they didn't put. And they didn't want to do another Dracula movie because they did that. Whatever. I don't understand how the haunting was on that list. It's wild to me. Haunted house movie. Um, nobody can hear you scream in the night. <laughs> we'll get to it. It's very good. It's very fun. Um, it's very scary. <laughs> That is 1960. Next up from 1960 is Purple Noon, a French film again, which is, you say, the original... It's an adaptation of the talented Mr. Ripley, Patricia Highsmith's novel. So the first adaptation. It's the first adaptation, and it's thrilling in the same way that the remake was, but very close to the book. There's really not a lot of sympathetic stuff about Mr. Ripley. He just plows through his uh, course of action. Yes. And so you're both wanting him to get caught and then going, oh, but wait, he's narrowly escaped that one. Phew, wait, why am I rooting for him? I want him to, yes. He is a psychopath. This is not good. Well, and this is very, he is very deeply a psychopath in this film, but the performance needs to be seen. Okay. So we're going to do that. That's Mm -hmm. 1960. Then we're going to move on to 1961 with Seance on a Wet Afternoon. Uh, which I have here written black and white, medium, kidnapping, heist. I'm pretty sure we don't mean medium as in small, medium, and large. We mean medium as in someone who talks to the dead. Yes. Is that accurate? That is. So I presume that there is, is there an actual seance on a wet afternoon? Oh, yeah, it opens with a seance on a wet afternoon. Interesting. Is this what you base your short story on? No, it helped inspire it. Okay. Because I I, I wrote a story that was, I called it a deconstructed seance, but this one is 
a kidnapping film it is sort of a heist movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, and again, it's like, is this plan going to come together or not? And the performances from the two leads, Kim Stanley especially, who was called the female Brando when she was working the stage. Mm. And the, the great pity is that she didn't, she had crippling anxiety about mm. being a performer. And so we didn't get many actual performances Film. from her, right. many films in particular. But when you see her here, it's like, oh, my God, this is an actual person I recognize and understand. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. So then we have a movie that definitely sounds like a military thriller and definitely you say isn't. No. 1962's Night of the Eagle. Tell me that doesn't sound like a spy thriller. Right. (laughs) The actual name of the novel that it was based on is Conjure Wife by Fritz Lieber, which is more accurate. Y'all. That is a better name right. for a movie, period, across the board. What are y'all doing? Yeah, and it's Night a really, it's a very fun movie. It is. A cult thriller. Yes, a it's cult a cult thriller. thriller. Next up, finishing out our 60s, 1966's The Naked Prey. This is the first movie I thought of when mm-hmm. I thought of the AFI yeah. Thrills list. It is just a dude running for his life. For the entirety of the movie. And is it basically real time, too? Um, no. Or does it, it goes overnight? It goes overnight. Okay. But, um, and some of the time he is naked. Yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> we love that for us. So, yes, that movie is literally a man just running, run, running. Run for your life. Away from <laughs> the people who are trying to kill you. Um, you, you, you're getting what you deserve. <laughs> like, you did fuck up, and now you're finding out. <laughs> Uh, so that closes out the 60s. We are mm. 13 movies in. We've gotten to the 70s, which there are fewer movies in the 70s and 80s, because, largely because they were largely covered in the AFI list. Right. There was a lot of 70s and 80s representation. Also, a lot of especially 70s movies, and we we talked about them in previous series, they are bleak. Yeah. <laughs> so we're also still trying to have fun. And with that, the first one we're going to watch is 1973's The Three Musketeers. Which is not bleak. It is like one of your favorite movies. It's a lot really, of these are really like really fun. And you movies. said we'd make a decision if we're going to watch them both together or back to back, The Three Musketeers and The Four Musketeers. Right. Because it was made as one film, and then it was nobody wanted to cut anything, and the, the producer just cut the film in half. And then the actors sued them and said, wait, you paid no, us for one movie. No, you're going to need to pay us for two movies. Pay us for two movies. But yeah, yeah it was, it's a really, it's pro- in my opinion, having read the book, that's the best adaptation of the book, and it captures the flavor. It's written by, uh, the screenplay is written by George MacDonald Frazier, who wrote, wrote the Flashman novels, which are these really historically accurate, down-to-footnotes, kind of body adventures of a soldier. Oh, interesting. And so he's called to write this, and this is also probably the most historically accurate uh, representation of that time. Are there black people in it? Um, are there black people in it? I think there are. I'm I not would, sure. I'm, we're, I'm, we're gonna, I'm gonna make a note and we're <laughs> gonna discuss it. Yes. Because Alexander Dumas, as I said earlier, is a black man. Oh, he, I didn't say that in this episode. I said that on our other show. Right. And hey, I, I can't remember if there are. I know that it really does represent just how tawdry and dirty things were. Yeah. And so you see people we walking around with smudges on their noses. Uh, were were like chased, like nobody had sex before the nineteen oh eighties. Like what? That's kind of what this film. I loaned it to a friend of mine who, in uh, her and her, her um, young man, and 
she came back kind of horrified saying they're just fooling around constantly and they're just yeah it's it's very it was i suppose surprising for people in the 70s to see this because the versions made before in the 50s and all are very kind of these plain upstanding young men which is not what dumas wrote about right well yes and i've just um read some sort of criticism like the genre not like like criticism of mm-hmm. uh talking about how private sex is a fairly recent innovation yeah. like before 1900 sex was a thing that you'd see people doing either because you were all packed in a house all together mm. because people were just out on the street doing it in the like there was it was not a but closed door activity because there weren't enough doors yeah. largely like forever in human history but then we lose that cultural memory and now it's like a taboo oh, there's a, a one of the lines that the character has in turn of the screw is oh they treated the rooms in our house like a dark wood yeah so their expectation was if you went in the dark wood you might find these people having sex oh, and how dare they have it in our house like yes. in in, in right. the house where no one's visiting, yeah, and that struck me as like, oh, okay. And I yeah. remember, you know, there was a time when people shared family beds, yeah. And so mom and dad are going at it in the corner while you're supposed to be asleep, right? I mean, typically different right. bedrooms, not necessarily same beds, but yeah. And this was yeah. also the time period where you'd go to bed when the light when the sun went down, mm-hmm. and then you'd wake up in the middle of the night between midnight and yeah. three or so. You'd eat something, you'd stoke the fire, you'd have sex, you'd go back to sleep. Sometimes you visited your neighbors. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a very interesting... It was, a, it was a different world. Electric light screwed us up, I think. I still Okay, so we got far away from those three okay. of those tears, but okay. they're going to be It'll messing be around. Very historically accurate. <laughs> so that's 1973. And very funny, too. Yes. Uh, then we go to, I believe, the only medical drama on our medical thriller on our list, which is 1978's Coma, based off of a Robin Cook novel. Robin Cook is, to my mind, the most favorite medical horror, medical thriller writer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true, but I, in my head it is. He's a, an actual MD who writes, he's like the Dean Koontz of medical thrillers. And he was also, he had a, uh, a background. Yeah. He's, got him, he's like a legitimate MD. Yeah. He's a doctor. Uh, so we're going to watch that. That's from 1978, a film I have never seen. I don't think I've ever seen any of his adaptations. But I read some... It is a movie that makes you made me a little frightened as a kid because I saw it on television and I'm like, oh, I don't want to go to the hospital. God only knows what happens. And we're going to close out the 1970s with When a Stranger Calls. Y'all, the call is coming from Inside the House. <laughs> That's this movie. There are people who do not know where that comes from. Uh-huh. A lot of people, I'm sure. It's strange that... Because we have the same thing with gaslighting. Same thing with, and most dangerous game. Right. Yeah. There's just... <laughs> it's become part of how we speak to each the other. How we communicate. Yeah. And we don't know where it comes from. We don't from. know where it comes from. That's the, mm. the show of almost all of our idioms. All right. So that's the 70s. Just a brief three-film Because we did so many 70s. And then we're only going to do three films from the 80s as well. And we're going to start with War Games, starring Matthew Broderick. We had three options of Matthew Broderick, uh, early 80s thriller films. This is the one we settled on. Yeah, for some reason he kept appearing in them. Uh, but that's good for him. I mean, he has a legacy now, outside of... Killing a dude with a car? <laughs> Ferris Bueller, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Same 
same. But damn, all right, he went there. Okay. I mean, it's a weird thing that nobody talks about. It's fun. Uh, and then we're going to talk about another movie that we're both like, how is this mm-hmm. not on the list? The AFI list, which is 1987's The Untouchables. Right. I do not understand at all how this was not on that list. Yeah. It's That's wild. shocking. It's wild. So we're going to put it on our list. Look at us rectifying some mm-hmm. situations. And then the last movie we're going to watch from the 1980s is 1989's The Killer, a John Woo film starring Chow Yun-Fat. Is this an American film or is this a Chinese this film? This is a Chinese, Chinese film. film. Um, so we're bringing in China. We brought in Japan with the uh, Hidden Fortress. Well, it's a Hong Kong film. This is really the Kong, beginning okay. of Hong Kong action cinema as it because Hong Kong action cinema was being sent to the, the West mostly through martial arts films and historical pieces. This was the beginning of the modern action movie. He had to shoot guns? Is he oh, yeah, shoot he had to shoot guns, guns, with, guns both with, hands? with both hands. That's the John Woo thing that I'm right. aware of, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's a wild director. If, if you like this, you'll find a lot of other stuff that he's done that's just been just nuts. So the 1930s through the 1980s is the first 19 films mm-hmm. of the series. We're, now we're into the 90s, and we're going to start with a movie that I, I hold very near and dear to my heart, but will be ridiculous to watch in the modern day, which is uh, Sandra Bullock in The Net from 1995, a film that really misses the mark on the internet. But it's sort of the first sort of cyber... Techno-thriller. Techno-thriller. Mm. There's a few, like, the ha- Hackers is right around now. Um, I just, I, I can't. <laughs> I can't. But The Net is really fun, and it is sort of a yeah, an on-the-run. I don't even remember. I'll tell you what I remember from Hackers. Watching Hackers the first time with my nephew and going, who the hell is that? And it was Angelina, Angelina Jolie. Jolie. And the like, that I, question I remember is Angelina nothing Jolie. else about that film, sadly. Because she's like, well, there we go. <laughs> I have sections of that film straight up memorized. <laughs> so um, we don't need to watch it here. Right. I, it is a film that I love and we will probably talk about mm-hmm. when we talk about the net. What we talk about when we talk about the net. Uh, but uh, we're not watching Hackers because... It is more of like a teen. I don't. I wouldn't. It's probably a thriller, but I wouldn't classify yeah, it as a thriller. I, I Not the way. That I, this I don't one remember. Is. I just remember who the hell is that and where has she been my whole life. Uh, then we're gonna watch a movie that will likely be traumatizing to everyone. If you haven't rewatched it in the last four years, if you have rewatched it, it might be a comfort thing. And that is Outbreak mm. from 1985. This is the other medical thriller, I guess, technically. Right. Yeah, it's a it's gonna be it's gonna be a whole situation. Hopefully we're gonna be what, midway through the year. Hopefully we'll have some more distance, distance more yeah. distance from the pandemic. Y'all it's we're still COVID is still out there, so please still be careful. Um but yeah, we're gonna watch outbreak. We're gonna blame it on the monkeys. Let's do it. Damn monkeys. Damn like, dirty apes. Damn dirty apes. They're not apes. They're monkeys. Monkeys are different than apes. And then we're going to close out our 1995 with seven. There's a seven in the middle. So it's seven n Seven n Seven n Okay. <laughs> so this 
Y'all, I love a David Fincher movie because I love David Fincher. We're going to watch this particular David Fincher. This is in the serial killer, Mm -hmm. like, vibe. True crime, or not true crime, but crime, gritty crime, in a way that we said at the beginning that we didn't want to dwell in there. But I don't, I'm surprised this movie wasn't in the AFI list, um, given its cultural... um, it's not like there was Footprint. only so much room. We have to have Silence of the Lambs or Seven. We can have both. Yeah, we can have I mean, both. For heaven's sakes, we I, had so many Hitchcock films. I'm saying. We will... Spoiler alert. Kevin Spacey's in this movie. Not very much, but some. Mm-hmm. We're going to have two movies in here with Kevin Spacey. We're not excited about it, but also we felt like we had to put them on here. Like, it was right. important. So... We're sorry, and we don't support him in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so that's going to be seven, mostly Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. And pieces of Gwyneth Paltrow. Terrible, I'm terrible, I'm going to hell, it's fine. Uh, then we go on to 1996's A Time to Kill. Which is stars everybody, everyone. We love a sweaty Matthew McConaughey, and we're bringing Sandra Bullock back, so yes. Uh, everybody who's ever been in a movie in this Sam decade Jackson is in this, is in this movie. Uh, Oliver Platt, I believe, is in this movie. Yeah. Kevin Spacey. Kevin Sp- is Kevin Spacey in yes. A Time to Kill? He's the opposing counsel. Oh, shit. We're doing three Kevin Spaceys However, in a four-week period. He will be balanced up by the magisterial presence of the great Patrick McGohan. Oh, that's right. He plays the judge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you go. It it was I want to just do courtroom thrillers, but I'm not allowed. So we're doing <laughs> one. Thriller. <laughs> so I don't know why I'm not allowed, but it's fine. Uh, we're gonna follow up in Time to Kill with Air Force One, which is Harrison Ford being mad that you're on his plane, which might be like a like a true like a real yeah it could be <laughs> a real thing. And this this guy does fly planes. Badly, from my understanding, he keeps crashing them, but uh, he does fly them. So he plays, I believe, the president, and uh, he's not leaf on the wind. Getting hijacked. Oh no! Don't do that. And then we're gonna close out the '90s. Speaking of bad airplanes, with L.A. Confidential, uh, a film I don't know very much about, other than it is a noir confidential. And it has Kim Basinger in it, yes. who is not my favorite actress, but she did win an Academy Award for this one. Which is weird. So There are a lot of really good performances in here. There's three cops trying to solve a murder. Okay. And it's Kevin Spacey. However, it's also Guy Pearce and Russell Crowe. And, weird set of dudes. Well, <laughs> it's a very strange The term good can be applied loosely. They're all products of their time, but... I really like Russell Crowe's character in this film because he's big and tough, but he's not too bright, and he knows his limitations. I thought so. We got two Australians and a Kevin Spacey. Mm-hmm. Because Guy Pearce and Russell Crowe are both Australian. I thought he was New Zealand, but maybe not. Who? Which uh, one? Russell Crowe. Oh, maybe. Hold on. But yeah, it's it's a really... Uh, Danny DeVito's in the film... Um, God, yeah, I won't go into it. It's a really interesting... Damn it! He is New Zealand. Sorry, everybody. plot, and it demands a lot of attention, but it's a really rewarding movie. It almost could be seen as um, a more complicated... Not complicated. 
it could be seen as a more action-oriented sequel to something like Chinatown. Oh, interesting. In that okay. it's like, yeah, L.A. It is a, yeah, it is a noir set in L.A. LA so that is, oh, the, the L.A. Police Department has always been corrupt as hell. <laughs> yeah. Almost as corrupt as our own hometown. Wow, wow. But anyhow, yeah, it's so, it'll be informative, yeah. I'm sure. So that'll be the first 25. That gets us from the beginning of films mm-hmm. <laughs> to 1990 or to 2000 right. for the purposes of this uh, list. Uh, and then we're going to do uh, the back 25 is all going to be 2000s on. Yeah. 2000 on. Uh, we're still massaging it a little. So we're going to put it together in the next 26 weeks and then we'll figure <laughs> we'll get it to you, get the, the update to you at that time. But until then, next week, we're going to watch The Most Dangerous Game. Or we're going to talk about The Most Dangerous Game. Uh, I'm going to put up the list on this Facebook page Mm -hmm. so that you know what's coming. We're always, of course, going to tell you what we're going to watch the following week. Also, we're trying to get these in... We're trying to be able to find these movies in reasonable ways for you to get them so that you can watch along with us because these are uh, fun, good movies that you will enjoy. You shouldn't have missed them. They shouldn't have have been kept off of that list. They they couldn't get to 150. The Illuminati, that's what it is. Yes, I'm sure. The AFI is packed with Illuminati. Yes. That seems unlikely to me. No. Maybe the Masons, though. There we go. (laughs) All right, so... Most dangerous game. Y'all, seriously, it's 60 minutes long. You can totally do it. And it's uh, it's a pretty straightforward, quick 60 Mm -hmm. minutes. And you get to watch a dude with the wildest hair, (laughs) beard combination I still haven't determined if it's real or painted on. We'll talk about it next week. Yeah. I thought (laughs) that Tony Stark, that character, had the weirdest beard hair combination. I'm like... Maybe they, they maybe based film, on that, yeah, for sure. So dark, so weirdly. Anyways, we'll talk about it later. Uh, our our recommendation is simply going to be watch this movie. Yes, the most dangerous game. Uh, we'll talk about recommendations, and so we'll get back to our normal format next week. But we missed you. Thank you for letting us take a break. My life is uh, just me drowning in work, so this is a nice break from that does mean I have to edit, and I don't know when I'm going to do that. But it's okay. It's a me problem, not a you problem. Uh, okay, you guys. Next week, most dangerous game. It's man. It, like Soylent Green, is man. Take your medicine, like every day. Like, I forgot to take mine today. I'm going to go do that right now. You go take yours, too. And we like to remind you, better late than never. never.